and Jill. Welcome to the weekly Mia Thrives podcast, where we talk to those living life to the fullest, living with the rare skin disease, epidermolysis bullosa. We hope you weigh in on our Facebook forum where the conversation continues. Let's talk thriving with EB. Hey guys, it's Emily here from Mia Thrives and Jill. Uh, welcome to the Mia Thrives podcast. Um, today we have a special guest all the way from South Africa. Um, thanks for joining us today, Tony. Hi everyone, thanks for having me. We're so excited to chat with you, and we actually chatted with your mom last week, so I feel like um, everyone, well, a lot of people on the podcast probably already heard lots about you, um, <laughs> but we're, we're excited um, We're excited to chat a little bit about your experience with EB, um, so maybe if you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what subtype of ED you have. Okay, sure. Um, my name is Fanny Roberts. I uh, live in Cape Town in South Africa. Um, I am actually South African and Swiss, but my folks decided to uh, live more near to the sun and near to the safari, so we're from South Africa. Um, I have junctional EB, um, and yeah, it was pretty much verbally diagnosed at birth. Um, quite a crazy uh, experience because uh, it usually takes so much longer in this country, unfortunately, but um, the person who delivered me uh, had actually trained at uh, Great Ormond Street, so pretty much said right there and then, I think this may be a case of epidermolysis bullosa. So we were quite lucky in that regard. And yeah, I'm I'm 27, almost my birthday next month. Whoop whoop for a second. <laughs> wow. Well, that's kind of like crazy luck that you know someone in South Africa has seen. EB before, um, and I know your your mom kind of chatted about how there's no other members of your family with EB, so it was kind of a, a big surprise for everybody. Um, yeah. Can you chat a little bit about that and what it was like growing up with EB in South Africa? Yeah, sure. Um, so just about the diagnosis part first. Um, yeah, it was definitely quite incredible that it was uh, sort of um, everyone important was in the room at that time. Um, because one of our issues in South Africa is um, EB so sort of rare not seen here that diagnosis takes quite a while. Um, and then often we lose babies quite early on uh, based on you know, medical practitioners not actually knowing what's going on. So um, in that regard, it was absolutely incredible, um, the timing of my birth. Um, but yeah, that remains to be one of our biggest struggles um, with uh, EB in South Africa is diagnosis and then kind of adequate treatment in those first sort of crucial days and weeks. Um but yeah, after diagnosis, um, shame, my folks had quite a rough time in the beginning. Um, there was not that much information uh, on EB in South Africa. So my mom kind of rallied, I think, like a lot of um, EB parents and like, like, uh, 
reached out to so many people around the world and wrote lots of letters and went on to a whole bunch of television shows. Um, and yeah, so uh, we kind of did things trial and error um, and learned things as we went along. Um, and yeah, I think growing up with EB, I guess, because there weren't that many other people with EB around, uh, now that I'm a, now that I'm an adult, I, I could kind of classify it as a little bit isolating sort of feeling. Um, I think now, I mean, I work in education and I work specifically with children with special needs, and I'm quite interested in in you know people with whatever you're born with, whether it be Down syndrome or a skin disease. I feel like it's quite important to be around people who are pretty similar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about inclusion and people being accepted into society. But um, a child with Down syndrome, for example, needs to also be around similar kiddies. Um, You know, I think there's such worth in that. So if I look at my childhood, um, it was absolutely incredible. My my folks and raised us super well and I tried everything. <laughs> I even landed up in hospital having like hand surgery because I tried ice skating. Um, so we had, we definitely had an ethos of, um, of trying everything and, and giving stuff a go before sort of writing things off and being like, Oh, you know, I'm too sensitive or oh, I may have an accident. Um, but yeah, I can kind of describe my childhood as uh not that many people around that looked like me at all, but definitely still full and colorful. Oh, oh wow. I love that full and colorful. Oh, I love that too. I'm also so curious to ask if like um, the career choice you went into had any like influence with your EB or if maybe you feel like because of your EB, you can be more accepting and understanding of others yeah. with different special needs yeah totally totally um so yeah i i was definitely um one of the handful of children at school that i guess stood out like a sore thumb um i mean i'm 27 now so um kind of you know inclusion in school and kind of acceptance of of the way people look and you know what you're born with and what you're dealing with like was kind of new then or you know uh it wasn't super socially acceptable that people look different or whatever um and so i definitely was uh one of the kiddies that like had a little um special needs meeting where um we sat down and we explained to teachers like what you need to do and stuff like that and i mean my mom was a teacher so she made it super funky and like we did full-on um like show and tell discussions with my class and my both my parents worked in television so we met like we recorded it and we like i popped a couple blisters in front of the kids um so we definitely made it interactive and stuff um but yeah, I was definitely like a kitty, I guess, that way. Um, and I think through high school too, because I was sort of, um, I don't know, standout-ish, um, I found it quite easy to notice other children that were um, standout-ish for some reason. Um, and yeah, I think just had an empathetic heart uh, because I think some of our sort of feelings and, you know, understandings overlapped a bit. And so, yeah, I'm 
I'm now in education and uh, specifically special needs. I work as a facilitator um, predominantly. And so I work with um, children who have different diagnoses that want to be integrated into society. So I sort of bridge the gap between like a mainstream school that offers education for typical children um, and sort of adapt the curriculum so that children with different sort of assortments of uh, birth things can also be included, which is quite a, quite a new thing to be able to say, um, but such a special thing too. You must well, know at the end of the day, like you're really truly making such a huge difference that you must have such a sense of accomplishment at the end of every day. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, it, it can feel quite frustrating because yes. it's almost like paving new ground and mm -hmm. trying to change minds. And, you know, I'm, I sort of feel like I'm advocating for myself at the same time about total inclusion and acceptance and stuff. Um, and so I can get well, pretty uh, behind the cause. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely a fat sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Oh, you can hear how passionate you are about it, which is just amazing. I, you remind me a lot of your mom, actually, after talking to her. I, you both have yeah, the same, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two amazing people, that's for sure. That's oh, wow. That's super kind. I, she's, she's definitely my role model, and I, I reckon I get a lot of my personality and my um, sort of zest for life and serving people from her, definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can hear that in both of you. I mean this in the, in the best way, but you guys are both so, like, feisty. But, like, it's such, I, I think that that's, like, such an amazing quality to be, like, such a go-getter. Did you say yeah, spicy? Yeah. Is it spicy? Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think. I think uh, that is uh, a trait of my mom's that has definitely uh, sort of equated to me having such a sort of positive outlook on life. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, she, my parents were sort of dealt the news. They were told, like, take me home, keep me comfortable, but not to get attached to me. Um, and my mom's personality was just like, mm -mm, mm -hmm. that's not going to work for us. Um, and so they didn't do that. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, um, I think also her sort of feistiness and her sense of never giving up is is quite crucial in the story of, like, EB in South Africa. Um, we have um, sort of a, a situation of, like, people kind of get involved um, with our organization type thing and then um, they kind of get on track and then sort of pull away. So it's kind of like a lot of giving, 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 and a lot of doing, doing, doing. Um, and my mom's personality is just perfect for that. She never um, really feels like her cup is empty or she can't help the next person. Um, and that's been such a good sort of like driving force or sort of role model for us as a, like a little team in terms of like how we sort of face new challenges with EB in South Africa and just EB in general. Um and yeah, so I think it's my outlook too, I suppose, in terms of trying new things, not feeling like only half of the world is my oyster or, um, you know, that kind of mindset, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Wow. And can you speak a little bit more about your experience, um, like reaching out? 
the EV community and if you found the sort of support that you needed? Yeah, sure. So um, I I sort of thought about this question beforehand um, because I would definitely sort of categorize us as um, we... I sort of went through a phase where I wasn't too, too connected um, with EB, I suppose, as a child and uh, like a teenager um, because they just were not uh, young people around in South Africa um, in the same boat. And so I would say like reaching out to the EB community, I suppose the first time I ever did it, I was traveling in Europe. I was working um, and a contract sort of ended early and I reached out to EB House in Austria and basically just mentioned that I had EB, that I kind of had experience as an au pair. Um, did they have any family that like wanted an au pair that, you know, could sort of model um you know, how to live a good life <laughs> with EB to their little one who had EB or just, you know, like a little family support or pair who also had EB. And I suppose that was the first time where I kind of like actually reached out and as an as a semi-adult uh, kind of welcomed myself to the EB community. Um, but yeah, so definitely like younger years, uh, kind of isolated, kind of alienated, um, in South Africa, um, but adult use, I suppose, community in terms of like Facebook groups and, um, you know, the few of us that are sort of the same age um, and we see each other every now and again at different conferences and congresses, um, it's definitely something I reckon uh, would have been super, super valuable for me to have experienced at a younger age. Um, it's like a, like a, sister type ship um as an adult and it's so new to me um but yeah i i totally appreciate that um you can reach out and definitely now not feel isolated or alienated and um we even like we had a new eb baby um here in south africa and we have like a little network and so we sort of rally um when we get contacted um and it's just so bizarre how quickly um, you can feel so connected to a family um, when they've just had a, a little one born with EB. You you immediately have a connection. And I think, you know, when I was younger, that was, I was kind of like, don't group us together just because we have EB. Like, and spunky and I want to go play sport and, like, come home looking crazy. Um, and, you know, like... We're not so similar just because we have EB, but now I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck? Like, we had so much yeah. that we could have had in common if I just wanted to, if you know, if I just wasn't so hyperactive. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, super, super appreciative for the EB community and especially what it's doing now, like social media and that kind of thing. Um, I think, you know, younger people who have EB now um, have so much information and so much support at their fingertips. Um I feel like, you know, those of us who are between 25 and 30 sort of like navigated a, a bit blind and it's just incredible what's online now, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I can, I can totally relate to like that feeling of connection that you're talking about because yeah. I feel like you just have this connection since you have, you can have so much in common with someone, even just the first time you meet them. And especially yeah. 
EB is so rare. Just just meeting someone that you can relate to like that is like such a special, such such a, uh, such a special moment. And I even kind of remember like when we met at the conference, like we got along so quickly. And I think it's just special when you meet someone that you can just relate to these, like, sometimes even just random, small, everyday things. Yeah, um, it's me. Yeah, it? and I think, like, it's, it's quite hilarious because I even in those moments, like, when I meet someone who has EB who's, like, of a similar age, um, I instantly connect with the person. But then, like, after hours, I'm thinking to myself, like, what in the world? Like... Like, why did I talk about certain things so quickly? Or, um, you know, like, I'm, like, analyzing it at the end of the evening, being like, what's up with you? Why were you so, like, open so quickly? But I even, you know, like, it's just, it's so refreshing and almost, like, relaxing to um, not be, I mean, in my life, I am the only person with EB in, like, my bubble, you know? Um, so when something happens to my body or something, um, you know, you have to kind of like explain and explain how it affects you and how it affects you financially and then explain it to employers and stuff. So to just be around someone who has similar experiences is so refreshing to not have to explain. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, it's those moments where like, we'd met each other for like a couple hours and I was like saying to you, why don't you go downstairs and ask the concierge for a tub of salt so that you can like, or whatever, you know, like those are the kinds of conversations. And that's like, so not heard of when you meet a typical person, like at a Congress, you know, it's so, yeah, it's super special. I think actually what was so special for me about meeting you is like, we were kind of traveling I've never, I've met people with EB, um, like at events and stuff like that, but we were both in a different city. So it was like lots of fun when we kind of could take some breaks and take off and explore, but then also have like conversations about traveling with EB, um, cause I'd never been out and about like that with someone else with EB. Yeah. Totally, totally. I remember thinking the same thing because I wasn't the only person who had to stop for a foot rest or like had to stop to adjust a shoe or something. So it was like so, so bizarre. Like those types of like random small things that happen that are, you know, it's totally new when you're with someone with EB. And I think like it's also made me open up to other people who are of a similar age that are kind of like on social media that are like super out and um loud and super brave and bold about the eb it's kind of like also made me think you know i'm not a tiny little fish in a massive massive pond anymore like i thought so yeah it's definitely um done something i would say quite good for my mental health um doing these sort of congresses and conferences and seminars and stuff and slowly but surely like making i suppose lifelong friends um with people it kind of gives you a sense of not feeling so i suppose isolated or alone um in struggles Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I can totally relate to that. Like, sometimes just having someone to, you know, even if they're on the other side of the world, to send a message to and say, oh, you know, today I 
was struggling with a doctor's appointment or to deal with, and especially during COVID, I feel like the EV community has had like a lot more issues with things and just having someone that you can chat to about that who will just, you don't need to explain. They'll just instantly understand because they've gone through something similar. And I find that takes away like a lot of feelings of isolation, even if we are, you know, technically alone, but um, just the feeling of togetherness that that creates. Yeah, yeah. I am... I found myself chatting to a um, GP, a general practitioner, um, like a couple months ago, and she was talking about um, like medical trauma or medical burnout, which was for me like a brand new concept. Um, And basically, we I was there for a totally different reason, and I kind of just contacted this lady because of convenience. She was right around my work. Um, and so totally new, didn't know about my EB or whatever. And we ended up having like a life chat <laughs> um, and to way past like consultation fees. Um, and yeah, she explained to me from a medical perspective and kind of from a psychological perspective too about sort of micro decisions that people and children with EB make on like a daily basis um, that can contribute to sort of like a burnout feeling or sort of mental fatigue. Um, And so I think that also kind of intertwines into, you know, me hanging out with someone else with EB. Um, I would feel like uh, without having to explain things and kind of being semi on the same page about breaks while traveling and what you have to pack to like go through security and stuff like that it's like um i don't know it's sort of it's totally different to if i was traveling with like a group of mates um and yeah i think being in the eb community and attending different sort of platforms and um I, my mom and I went to something in Italy um, and uh, we had a round table type setup where you spoke about sort of the mental fatigue of different um, skin diseases. And it was just such an incredible session, um, you know, and kind of just brought to light how we make so many decisions on a daily basis just to sort of get through a regular day, go to work come home like you have to plan things and there's so many micro things that go on just to do you know typical tasks each day um and yeah that's one of the things that when you're chatting to someone with eb um those conversations just seem lighter and um less sort of heavy in terms of like what we have to think about or what we have to sort of uh, subconsciously plan you know mm-hmm. Yeah, because that person kind of like understands so much of those little things that it's like left needs to be explained and talked about. Like that, it's almost like the natural, um, natural friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see that. I'm just sitting here thinking. I guess it takes away from you know when you first meet someone uh, who doesn't have EB, you 
you would have to do some explaining of different things and you might feel that you need to answer questions or, you know, and I guess if you're meeting another person, it could be EB or any other, you know, anything else that someone might share with someone, you're immediately on a, if not the same level, a, a similar level and it takes away, you know, you're almost starting at a more bound, like more, I don't know what the word is, but um, more intimate level, right? Like you already, yeah. you're almost past yeah. that first level of friendship. You're, you're, you're on to the next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. And I find it really amazing how you can even see that, like children. Like for example, like I've seen Mia. Like when Mia is like, "Oh my gosh, that's another butterfly person." Yeah, it's like he just like lights up and she immediately loves them. Immediately, yeah, yeah. She feels yeah. connected to them yeah. right away. It's, it's um. Yeah, you're right, Emily. I've seen that too with her. If she sees, you know, and she'll, she loves to know if someone is a butterfly child or not. When you talk about someone, you know, it could be like, I saw George down the street. Is, is George a butterfly child? Like she's, she's always wanting to know where her other butterfly kids are. That's what she calls them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think, I think that's, um, I think one of sort of like the important things that I've sort of taken um, in meeting people my age with EB um, and seeing sort of how they've grown up in an EB community, um, if their EB community in their country has been around for longer, which is generally the case because our one in um, South Africa is quite new, um, I think it's so important to um, have your little community from a young, young age um, because I, I kind of feel like I'm noticing with myself, but I'm sort of learning to accept um, my EB and how it sort of um, changes things as an adult. Um, in a way, like when I was younger, it was sort of like um, I have EB, but I can still do all these things. And it didn't really make too, too much of a difference in my life. I was always this little hero child who, like, I don't know, could do stuff and whatever. Um, but I mean, definitely in the evenings, it was not that. There were fat, like, dressing changes and there were lots of repercussions. Um, but, yeah, I think to have that community and like-mindedness from a young age um, really, really sparks inner acceptance of who you are and exactly what you were born with from a young, young age. Um, because, yeah, I, as an adult, I suppose, um, like only in recent years, um, really coming to terms with, you know, the fact that you're classified as a, like a disabled person and you can get certain benefits and um, different things like that. So, I think because I had like a lack of age appropriate community um, as a younger kid, it was like Tony uh, with EB, um, but not like a true, true sort of acceptance. Um, I mean, that sounds bizarre. That sounds like nobody accepted me and like my family didn't really take into account like my EB. But I mean, yeah, I think it's super, super important to be surrounded by similar little kitties and I think about Mia and think that's honestly such a, such a gift that she can have that um, experience, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Totally. And I so think, yeah, even older people, sorry, even older people uh, when we meet and they're like, oh, I didn't even know that there were like other people with EB or even at like congresses across the world, um, 
you know, when you meet someone similar to you, they're like, oh, I haven't seen someone with Evie in ages or like, I don't know, whether it's eczema or something super rare or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, even older people. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I was just I was just going to say that I was curious to ask what um, thriving with EB means to you. I mean, I feel like you've already kind of spoken so much about that, um, like about the community and what you do and how you can relate to others. But um, I was just curious of your definition of that. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I thought a little bit about, um, I suppose, what it means to thrive. Um, and I think like my adult brain is like, I don't know, always kind of checking yourself and seeing that you're happy in your situation. And I think for everyone, you know, that's super important. Like, am I happy in my job? Am I still, you know, learning? Am I still growing? Am I still making an impact? Um, are my finances happy? Like, you know, I suppose regularly checking in on your, uh, happiness slash satisfaction levels in the different areas of your life um but yeah i suppose some of what i've already mentioned about acceptance and education and understanding from an early age i mean i can even think i follow a page on instagram that creates children's storybooks around medical conditions um and just that representation of nowadays there's like books with children with wheelchairs in them Mm -hmm. um and when I take uh, the kiddies I work with to the library and you get like a really old tatty book um, and it's got no inclusion or diversity in it. Um, and so, yeah, even, you know, small, small steps of um, self-acceptance from a young age. Um, and I suppose um, communication um, with your loved ones about where you're at with um, how EB is or isn't affecting your life. But, yeah, I, I think similarly to what my childhood was like about grabbing life by the horns and um, trying stuff. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. Um, Our childhood looked very much like my siblings learning to surf um, during the school holidays and me playing on the sand, um, getting like rough and tumbling all over the sand and having like a couple hours of debriefing in the evening after that kind of activity. But, you know, I was not um, bundled up and shielded from life's experiences. Um, obviously, I suppose it's it's super, super different no matter what you're born with, not only EB, but I think um, growing up or trying to adopt the mindset that um, you can still achieve and... Um, there are people with super, super um, obstacles in their way that are authors and public speakers and motivational people. And yeah, I think it's definitely that mindset. I think, you know, get, uh, go to university, do those cool things, um, get an assisted vehicle. And, you know, I think it stems from mental health about accepting and having EB, but having you know, an open mind and surrounding yourselves with people that are super accepting and open-minded too. And yeah, <laughs> super, super philosophical. <laughs> I, I, I've been sitting here furiously writing notes of everything you're saying. I'm like, this, it, 
this is such a, a, I don't know, everything you described was thriving. And I love that you included, you know, uh, financial things and communicating where you're at with those who love you. Like, those are things that, that everybody needs to thrive and that we don't normally talk about, like on this podcast or just in general, right? Like, there's so Sorry, many facets of life that all need to come together for you to thrive. Wherever you are. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Even just surrounding yourself with positive people, like that's also a great, a great point. Like what you to surround yourself with, and and how that affects you and your mood and your eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Deborah International is um, in the process of writing clinical practice guidelines on like a whole bunch of different topics. And one of them is, um, I think it's like transitional phases um, or something like that, where, you know, are people with EB moving um, through the different phases of life um, or, um, you know, depending on diagnosis of EB and which type you have, um, are, is the child like being, is there enough uh, communication around um is this child progressing to the next levels of life in terms of um, going to school and um, making friendships? And so I think like open communication about that kind of thing is super, super helpful um, in terms of a child being able to communicate like, you know, I'm not happy. I really want to try something new. I really want to do something new. Um, So even just being on sort of the teams of different clinical practice guidelines there's so many things that do so much better when you communicate about milestones and happiness levels and you know what someone with eb needs to be happy you know wow that's amazing what they're doing and we can't wait until that comes out yeah yeah um, so important for the EB community. And yeah, Deborah International has been quite busy putting out the um, sexuality guidelines came out recently. Um, they yeah. teamed up with Deborah Norway about, and I feel like that was a huge win in our community. Totally. You know, those are like, I think when you think about like what someone with EB needs, you think super physical, like pain management and a cure. And it's like super physical oriented goals. And so for for things to have shifted a bit now and for people's focus to be a little bit on mental health, I mean, the psychosocial, psychosocial thing um, that they published um, and a lot of sort of mental um, aspects, it almost seems like a treat that these aspects of EB are being explored for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I, there's so many repercussions to having EB, like repetitive sort of medical trauma and those things and kind of mental health and the happiness and sort of thriving status of a a person with EB is usually overlooked because we're sort of, you know, we're head down knuckling looking for a cure. So, yeah, I think it's super, super exciting times um, to be in because I think the dialogue for so many years has been cure, cure, cure. Mm -hmm. And now we're thinking like, okay, but you can also have a super thriving life until we get the cure, um, you know, which is such a refreshing way to look at it, um, that we don't 
have to super immediately be fixed, fixed, fixed. I guess, you know, it's totally different for life and death scenarios and quality of life. But it's so refreshing that we're talking about quality of life and sort of thriving now for the first time ever. Oh, I have goosebumps. Like, I, yeah. I just wrote thriving status is often overlooked. That's true. That's totally you know? Totally. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I feel like that was so beautifully worded to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shame. I think I, one lady brought it up in that she mentioned that um, we speak about people with ED as butterfly children. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough conversation in terms of actually, you know, that's like a 17 year old child or yeah. person or teen that sees themselves as not a child. Mm-hmm. They're. They're a person, they have goals, they have aspirations, they want to do stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's open communication and acknowledging that there is mental inside of that butterfly, you know. There is aspirations and they want to do stuff. And what can we do to modify and give tools in so that that person can reach their life's purpose too um instead of just looking at the physical you know like that's so so important and and i think if you look at families who um are lacking hope and um you know they they're not sure what the future holds it's generally because they're super physical oriented um if you turn away from physical and spend a tiny amount of time thinking about you know this kid is super, super good at reading. What if he um, became like a bit of a children's book narrator for um, YouTube or whatever? There's so many things that if you just change your thinking a little bit um, can really give a child or an adult with EB a sense of purpose. And so I think thriving and purpose are super, super, super interlinked. Um, And it's just incredible how the dialogue is slowly changing around um, giving a child or an adult the opportunity to also feel like they have a purpose in this world. Oh my gosh, you should see my my notepad right now. I'm like, I'm thriving and purpose. I've got like things circled and big like highlighted. And, um, you need to write a book. <laughs> like on, on life in general and purpose and, you know, like you're just making so many incredible points that, you know, I, sorry, I've just lost what I, but I just, I'm sort of lost for words, I guess. Um, because I've got so many words in my head right now and so many points that you've made and just so many, like, I don't know, incredible, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I feel like... Sorry, sorry, I was just going to oh, say... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. Well, it reminds me when, when we were speaking with your mom and she said, she was talking about um, a family who had just had a baby uh, who um, was diagnosed with EB. And you know what? The first thing your mom said was, congratulations. And I said, yeah. it's so funny that that's often lost. In congratulations yeah, yeah. on the birth of a child. Congratulations, there's a new little person in this world. Like, and, yeah. you know, the focus doesn't need to be EB right away. There is a new baby. Let's, 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 uh, let's be excited about that. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's right from birth. Like right from birth. Let's focus on the on the beautiful parts too, for everyone. Yeah, totally. In the world. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, wow. Well, the next question I'm going to ask, I almost feel silly asking it because I feel like you've almost already answered it, like, so perfectly. Um, but what is the main thing that you would have to say to a child with ED? Oh, so, um, I mean, I, I, I work with kiddies from all works of, walks of life, um, sort of underprivileged uh, environments and super um, wealthy environments. Like, and South Africa is super kind of like uh, balanced in that way. It's this kind of everyone from every corner. Um, and typical kiddies and kiddies with, you know, different learning challenges and stuff. And I think it's not too different to what I would tell any child, I suppose, Um I think it's uh, to, no matter what you have been born with or no matter what you've been born into, um, to constantly learn, to to want to learn new things and grow as a little kitty. Um, I hope that the child would constantly seek um, acceptance around themselves in an environment where they feel totally accepted mm -hmm. and... Uh, to always seek environments where you feel that you're meant to be there. Um, so yeah, I, I met a mom who those were her three um, her three sort of goals for her child with quite significant learning um, learning battles. Um, constantly be learning, um, feel included, and um, feel innerly sort of accepting of themselves. Um, and so yeah. EB, no EB, special needs, no special needs. I think every little kitty um, seeks those three, or not seeks, but should have those three um, things as a little child. Love it. Wow. Writing down more. <laughs> <laughs> what wonderful advice, Tony. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So beautifully said. And... I just, I, I love how both you and your mother kind of have this quality of being positive, but also about being realistic about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like that, yes, EB still sucks and, you know, but like just the, the positive outlook that both of you guys have, it's like, it's contagious. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's super important um, for new families and for kind of old families with EB that um, that sense of community stays together. I think that the um, there are a lot of uh, negative outlooks and a lot of um, dire situations um, where a tiny, tiny little piece of hope um, or positivity from your neighbor or someone else on social media is so, so good, especially during these times, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Jill, do you have any questions um, to add in there? I wish I, I mean, I'm sure I probably will in like 20 minutes. I'll sit and think about all these things because I, I just, like, honestly, you should see my, the piece of paper in front of me. Because I tend to, when we're talking um, to people, I just love, like, little, like, snippets of the conversation. Something that might have, you know, moved me or, or just a term or whatever. Just, 
I, I've always done that my whole life. When I'm talking to someone, I'm like, you know, doodle or whatever, but that's what I write down. Yeah. Honestly, you should see my page. Like, I, and I've circled and, ha you know, like I said, stars everywhere. I just think you are, um, I don't know. I just, I think that anyone in any stage of life with anything going on in their life, if they have EB or they don't, if they have special needs or they don't, if they, you know, child, adult, whatever, could truly benefit from spending a few hours with you, Tony, because um, you just have a way of, I don't know, you just have a really beautiful way. I don't know. I can see why, I mean, all I heard about, I was telling your mom this, when Emily went to the Congress was, Tony, 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 like it was like, and then Tony and I went here, and then it was like she had found, like it was so cute. You guys connected so quickly, so easily, and she just yeah, yeah. adores you, and I... I 100% see why. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same. I, I definitely think that's from my upbringing and the community I have. In South Africa, we have a, um, we have a sort of like a saying. It's the word Ubuntu, which means I am because we are. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a sense of community and it takes a village to raise a child um, is another thing that comes to mind. And, yeah, I definitely have the outlook I have and sort of am in the life I have because of the incredible, incredible family and support system and people that have surrounded me and showered me with love and guidance and acceptance. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose... Um, that is such a grounding and super fundamental um, block in the building block of my life as to sort of who I am. Um, and I always revert that to my community and the people around me. And that's so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. I feel ooh, like a little bit of a celebrity. <laughs> Hearing, seeing you guys doing such incredible stuff and, and listening to the other podcasts and stuff. I it's it's an absolute honor to be able to to speak from the heart and, and be included. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today on the Mia Thrives podcast. Um, we will put um, some links below. Um to Deborah South Africa and Deborah International and some of the things we chatted about today. And we hope that at some point in the future you will join us again on the podcast. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a super, super good experience. And it's so, so lovely to chat to you too. <laughs>